Hello, 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 6AM Run podcast community, listeners, 6AM runners, everyone out there who continues to listen, support, and helps this podcast grow. Uh, I'm Hami Mahani, uh, CEO, founder of 6AMRun.com. Thank you guys, first and foremost, showing you guys the gratuity. Thank you guys so much. We always want to show the community the love that they show us. And you guys know, and I probably annoy you starting these podcasts the same way, but thank you guys so much. Also now, and you guys know, I started thanking a lot of our amazing guests that we've had that have helped provide really, really valuable information to you guys. So we also want to start thanking the guests. And I love the guests that also the guests now say, oh, I listened to the show. And it's just a lot of things are going on as we're not even a year old with the podcast and they're continuing to grow. As you guys all know, this podcast is brought to you by 6amrun.com. Don't ever forget, you guys can always get your best running and cardio nutrition from 6amrun.com. I do want to get right into it. Fortunately, I, I had a, another call, so I've kept this gentleman waiting. So let's get right into Nathaniel Turner. Nathaniel, I always say people are their own best hype man, hype woman. Um, can you please introduce yourself and tell the audience why I invited you to the show today? Good, good question. Best hype person? I don't know that I'm my best hype person. I am Nathaniel Turner. No one calls me Nathaniel except my mother or my wife when I'm in trouble. Real quick, I got to stop you there because everything, Nathaniel, Nathaniel, Nathaniel on it. I wanted to say Nate or Nathan. What, what, what can I call you? Please call me, call me Nate. All my friends okay. call me, call me Nate. Yeah. So I'm Nate, I'm Nate Turner, but I use Nathaniel Nat as a historically famous name, and my name would otherwise get lost in search engines. People would call right, me right, Nat right. Turner instead of Nathaniel Turner. So I use Nathaniel A. Turner professionally. Awesome. I am a a little bit of a Renaissance man. I have a I have degrees in accounting and history and theology. I also have a law degree. I have degrees from bachelor's to doctorate wow. degree. I'm a father. Primarily, that's what people know me as most as as Naeem's dad or Superman's dad. And for the past 10 years or so, I've been sharing with other families this idea about backward designing their children's life. And by doing such, uh, the first thing we have to do is improve ourselves. Right. I think, and that's what it's funny in this day and age and COVID people staying at home, I think gave people so much time to start thinking, right? Am I happy? Am I fulfilled? I think, you know, unfortunately, I always say this, COVID, unfortunately for anyone suffered from it, my heart goes out to you. And it was not an easy time for a lot of people. But I think what it did do for other people was give them time to reflect. And one of our things, both my family and then through this company, this company was around a little bit before COVID and during COVID, people reflected on mind, body, and health. And because what people I think were seeing was when those three things were healthy, majority of people, and again, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, but it does seem like people who had those three pillars intact were beating COVID. Am I crazy? No, the science uh, at the time indicated that the healthier you were, the less likely that you had comorbidities, the more likely you were if you got COVID to, to be able to to beat COVID, so to speak. So yeah, during the pandemic, like you, um, I made an additional commitment to my health and fitness and dropped 35 pounds. Wow. Yeah, no. And that's what I love. And then, you know, here's the crazy part, right? Now what I'm seeing through some of our clients that kind of either fell off, because I'm not going to lie, being stuck, we have our warehouse here that I'm out of and getting stuck at home for that. I kind of miss some of those two weeks of just being home, nothing to do with my family. But I will say it's hard to work from home and not go to your pantry every five seconds. So what I love that I'm seeing now is people are contacting us and they're like, yeah, I had a COVID-15. COVID got me. 
Uh, now I'm like, oh my God, I got to get back on my grind. You know what I mean? So now what I'm seeing is people coming out of COVID and the world's starting to open up and everything and stores really are, everything's almost at a hundred percent go now. Now you're, you're getting people that are saying, okay, I slack during the, the time off. Now back to my regular routine, nine to five work, maybe, you know, 6 a.m. gym time, things like that. But I really don't want to talk so much. We've talked at nauseum on our podcast about that, that I don't want to go that far backwards. But, you know, talking about yourself, one of the things I think, and my parents were minority in terms of coming to this country. I'm a first generation American born here. One of the things I love that we want to talk about today is you really did something in a parenting world. And I just found out you have your law degree and you're very well educated, but you now did something that had nothing to do with the educational piece outside of just educating people on how to be maybe a better parent. But it also was chronicling you going through being a parent. Am I correct? Yeah. I mean, so what I did as a father, what has been noteworthy to some people is that before my son was born, I wrote Harvard for an application. I used the application from Harvard to create what we call a life template so that we could backward design his life so that he could meet the what we thought initially were the academic requirements of Harvard. Wow. But embedded in the application were two other elements. Harvard, of course, asked for students to do well academically, test scores, grades. But then the second element that they asked for people didn't pay very much attention to is that they said they wanted students who were world citizens. And the third is that they wanted students who care for something greater than themselves. So his template before he was even here on the planet was being established so that he would achieve academically, or he'd be intellectually ambitious so that he'd be globally and culturally competent and so that he'd be humanitarian driven. And that's a template that we share with families all over the world. So most people are going to view that and they're going to call you crazy. I don't. And, I, and it's funny because my daughter's 14 right now. And let, let me tell you why I don't. And I've never shared this on the podcast, but I want to share this now. When my daughter was 10, I had a vision of my daughter playing just like I was about being a D1 athlete, very similar to kind of what you're doing in terms of kind of setting up the steps that you want your son to walk up, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I knew, I don't want to mention the school, I knew that one thing I have to do, you can't tell somebody this is your path. There also has to be some showing of it, right? And when she was 10, I took a, a bunch of emails of coaches. You can find every division one and every sport college coach email online. And I emailed them about my daughter and I was like, look, you know, she'd love to see your campus and meet you. Nobody answered me back, right? I said to Layla, and Layla will tell you the story. I said, let's go out in the driveway. Layla, I dared her. I said, can you make 15 shots in a row? She's like, dad, you know, I got this. I was like, I don't think you can do it. (laughs) And sure enough, she goes, I'm recording it. She didn't see the phone was recording it because then she wouldn't do it. You know how kids are. I sent that video to a few more of those coaches. Don't you know, immediately they were like, when do you want to come to campus? And what I was doing was saying, I knew Layla needed to see what that work was for. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Everyone else was like, you took your kid, your 10-year-old to a college campus? They don't visit college campuses till they're 16. I was like, why do I need to wait that long? I got one better for you. My son's first official college visits were at six. Yeah. It's, yeah, at age six. So every. But I'm not walking at that. That's not crazy yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, I know. But yes, you're right. People around me at the time thought it was crazy. Today, he's a fourth year PhD candidate at Carnegie Mellon in the School of Electrical and Computer Engineering. He received $17.8 million of scholarship money on his own. Today, people don't think I'm crazy as much as they did. And that's what I'm saying. And listen, and back to the. the let me ask you this on your son, too. Sure. 
the way the phones are now, right? Mm-hmm. So Layla has to do one hour of training every day. That's my requirement, right? You have then the next 23, especially now it's summertime. You have the next 23 hours, and I curse a little bit, Nate, so don't get mad at me. It's all good. <laughs> you have the next 23 hours to do whatever the fuck you want during the day. You want to sleep for the rest of the day. You give me one hard hour right now in the summer. Now, she does do sometimes two-a-days, and she has different trainers. But you give me one hard hour hard, hard work. Mm-hmm. So there is a difference. Don't walk mm-hmm. through it. Mm-hmm. You give me one hard hour every day. You have the rest of your day to goof around, enjoy the summer, go to the pool. We do do some recovery things. And it's funny, everyone's like, so when's her day off? I'm like, she has 23 hours off a day. <laughs> like, what do you mean, when's her day off? I work yeah. eight plus hours a day and I barely get a day off because of running a company. What do you say to that? Uh, I think, it, again, it's, you're speaking my language because when my son, as I mentioned to you, he ran track and he played soccer. So he wasn't just a good student. He was a great athlete and we trained all the time. So there was no taking days off every once in a while, but for mostly we trained. In fact, during this time of the year, we trained three times a day. We trained at 6 to 7 a.m. We trained in, around noon or 1 o'clock and we trained in the evening when the sun went down. Now, we talked about, and I want to go into, you and I are talking a little bit. We talk about me. I'm, I'm also a first generation, you know, citizen. I was born here. My father came from Iran. But what's crazy really? to me too is that what people don't get, and it's funny, I'm not pro athlete, no, nothing like that. And maybe a little bit of me wants her and my dad always used to say, and, and this is where I want to get to your books. Here's the question I'm getting to. Okay. My dad, I never forget, would touch his chest and he would say, I'm here my job is to get you here. Absolutely. Right? right. And it, that's, that resonated with me. So he is not getting knock on wood. He's still here. I don't know if I made it past him. I think he did a great, a, a bunch of good stuff. But what I'll say is same thing with Layla. My job is to try to get her. And I have a six-year-old with that, but my job is try to get them further ahead of me. Was also that some of your mentality with your son and writing the book, setting up the path for him? What else? Yeah, I mean, the first book I wrote, Raising Superman, was the letters were about making sure that I did a better job than my father. Right. So to that point, I wanted to be better than my dad, which at the time didn't seem like a very big hurdle to leap. But I wanted to do better than my father. And I also wanted to leave a record for my son in the event that I messed up, that he had he had a history that his dad at some point did actually love him and was consistent about helping him be a better version of himself. I want to ask something, and if I'm asking something, I try not to get political, racial, or controversial. This is a place of escape. Sure. But does that, you hear Black fathers, and we just had Father's Day, and Juneteenth was on the same day, and I really, I was personally excited about that. I have a lot, coming up through the basketball world, I have a lot of friends, obviously, that are African-American. So for me, when I see things that thrive if that's a word, going on in the African-American community. You know, me, I'm a huge supporter of that because of these friends and these teammates become your family sometime. And you know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But was the stigma that Black fathers get ever ingrained and part of also why to try to dispel that? Because there is that out there that p- some people think of that. You know what I mean? And if, yeah. that, if I'm asking yeah. the wrong question, please... No, no, there are no wrong questions and there are no bad questions. So you can ask me whatever you want to ask me because I'm, I want to be fully transparent. Otherwise, there's no real value in the conversation. Yeah, I've had that experience. I had the experience where, you know, people are looking at you and wondering if you are the negative stereotype. 
Right. I've had people, my son was small. He had a soccer coach once tell me that my son was afraid of me. And I was like, well, why would my son be afraid of me? And, and then the, and I've reminded coaches throughout, listen, he doesn't need a father. Right. He has a father. So, yeah, that's been a little bit of the situation. But over time, people have seen me very differently. Right. And now some people hold me as a standard of what some people as what fatherhood should or could look like. I think people call it. And I think because here's the thing I'll use as a perfect example. My father missed a lot of my games because he was working nine in the morning, eight in the morning till Mm -hmm. sometimes nine, eight at night, right? Like, so he just wasn't available. Getting out of work at 3 p.m. for a 3.30 soccer game just wasn't going to happen for him, right? right? And at that time, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, my mom was also the stay-at-home mom, so she was more the supporter, but she just didn't know anything about sports. I think people mistake, and then now 2022, fathers and parents and maybe work from home is a little more acceptable. People can get out of certain things or they schedule their work around their kids in sports. I think that there's a difference and I'd like your opinion on this. You get classified as a crazy parent, but I don't think it is. I think you're an invested parent. Is that, do you agree? Yeah, I do. I think what happens is today people will label you Tomorrow, if your child does what it is that you imagine her doing, they're going to praise you. Right. So when if you had met me 25 years ago, based on who you seem to be now, you it would have seemed like it, it made all the sense in the world to you. If you came to my home and you saw an infant laying in the crib and you heard language tapes being played, if you saw parents reading with these big books and making sounds and telling all the colors, and I said, hey, I'm working on developing my child's vocabulary, and you're like, but he's a baby, can't speak yet. To you, it probably would have made all the sense in the world. But to most of the people around me said, man, you're absolutely crazy. Why are you doing that stuff? Well, today, fast forward, you know, 25 years later, it looks like it was a genius move. But in the moment, to your point, people will think you're crazy. You just have to stand pat on the things that you believe to be true. Yeah. And I think that's where the Kanye's and the Kyrie's and certain people who march to the beat of their own drum, they're called crazy, Right. But I think that what I respect on both of those gentlemen individually is that I don't think they're crazy. I just think that because they don't reform to what society has labeled normal, Mm -hmm. right? They just march to the beat of their own drum. So Kanye is called crazy. Kyrie is called crazy. LeVar Ball. LeVar Ball was called crazy. He has two and a half. I think his son is a professional player in the G League. That's professional. If you're getting paid, or, and even now, college, I think college is certain pro level. If you're getting paid to play a sport and now college athletes are getting paid. So mm-hmm. in my mind, that's professional level in my mind. It may be not the league, but it's professional. You have three sons because your way worked, you know, and you probably remember the LeVar Ball, everyone, this dude's crazy. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and now Kanye, Kyrie, it's funny though, but it's like, listen, everyone's got their path. Leave that person alone. One thing I will say I've realized because you still do, I probably look at other people and I'm like, yo, their way is wrong. What I have realized, and I want your thought on this, when you advise people, what I've realized though is you can't change people's opinion on how to do things. Like I'll tell other parents, hey, maybe you should try this with your kid. And they'll look at me like I'm crazy. I will stop now after one time advising. Like if you don't want to take my advice, I think the old me when I was younger would be like, dude, you're messing up. You got to do it. But like now what I do notice I do is I'm like, here, I think you should try this. If I see that parent is like, yeah, no, 
I do give up. And I think that's helped me personally more. So I'm not so invested in things I don't need to be invested in. What is your thoughts there when people don't take your advice or when people you see like maybe you're making a wrong turn? Are you like me? Is it hard for you to watch that car crash? Yeah, at first, at first it was, but not anymore. Now I just realized that, that my role is just to be like Google. You can ask Google a question and Google can provide you with the answer. And you can choose to do what Google says to do or not. If you're using Google Maps for directions right. and you get off, off course and Google Maps says reroute and you decide to keep going where you're going, that's on you. So yeah, I just feel like my role anymore is to share my version or my story or my way. And if you want to do another way, you're completely within your right to choose another way. Awesome. Awesome. I really like that a lot. But let's keep going back to the books and you. Sure. So you can tell this is fun stuff for me because this is like, I'm living this right now with my kids. So you write the first book. Mm -hmm. How was that received? Where did that take you? And do you mind, uh, you know, Nate telling us now where, where you went from there? Yeah. So I wrote the, as I wrote, as I mentioned, I wrote a collection of letters. I wrote my son. I wrote this child as early as two. And I wrote him as if he was 22. Or I wrote him when he was six as if he was 46. Or I wrote him as seven as if he was 67. I never wrote him based upon his age. I wrote him to give him letters that could be useful to him throughout his life. As I mentioned, he finished high school at 16. He was a very good soccer player. He didn't want to play in college. His aspiration was to play professionally. We found a way to get him out the country. He moved to Brazil. He played for Brazil's top professional academy, Desportivo Brazil. And while he was in Brazil, one of the days he was there, he asked me, did I, I gave him the letters in a binder, 38 of the letters in a binder. He asked me if I put the letters in any particular order. I said, no, he was feeling a little bit lost. And we were thinking he was going to want to come home. He said, no, I'm good. I reread the first three letters in the binder. I'm curious if you put them in any particular order. I said, no, I didn't. He said, I, I remember my way and my purpose. I'm going to be fine. But whenever I come home, whenever this, is, this journey is over, we're going to take these letters and share them with other families. Because when you tell me I can do something, not only do I know I can do it, I know it's going to happen. Right. And so it was my son, 18 months later, who came home and put those letters together in a book and published Raising Superman. Wow. And I think that's important to know. One thing I tell Layla is that if I didn't think, you know, the money you spend on trainers, and I'm sure you can attest to this because it seems like you went through that as well. The money you spend on trainers, nowadays, the money you spend on gas, on travel, on all of it, right? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't do that if you didn't believe in the kid, right? right? My younger one is more of a actress already. I can tell. I don't think sports are gonna be her thing, right? I am going to put money in acting school. I'm going to put money in the theater, in the arts. My kids have to do something. They're not just going to sit on their butt. Sure. But you have to also find where the kid, you feel like their road is. I think as parents, that's also a goal too, right? I'm not going to put the younger one, for example, in basketball right now, especially because I've got to see certain signs. I think you also were able to see certain signs I think you did a lot before your son was born, it sounds like, mm -hmm. but I'm sure there were still things you needed to see before you put your son on certain paths. Am I correct? Actually, a little bit differently. I believe life is like a buffet table, and I believe the role of a parent is to prepare a child to be able to eat from anywhere in the buffet table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The child can then choose which of the items on the buffet table they like the most. So Naim had a chance to do a lot of stuff. He, at one point, had his... Um, 
his Actors Guild license. He, did, he was in, in a Broadway production wow. and was in several commercials. Like I said, he ran track for a while. He started his own foundation. So he did a, a large number of things. And the one thing he's doing today, we had no idea he would ever want to do. He's an engineer. I had no, there was nothing we were ever doing that had anything to do with him being an engineer. It was the trip to Brazil and seeing other people live in Brazilian favelas and living without electricity and water and so forth that drove him to this idea that he needed to do something better for the planet. Yeah. So that, so yeah, the idea was just to give him as many opportunities as possible and see where it went. How did you feel at 16, sending your son to a place like Brazil where there sleepless nights knowing, I mean, still <laughs> another country. I've heard some nightmare stories from Brazil. Like if you don't get me wrong, like I've heard there's like obviously parts of Brazil you definitely want to stay away from. But were you at 16? Was Did he show you and give you enough confidence that he would be okay, physically okay? What was it like to have your bit? Because see, I, my kid's a year away from being that age. Right. I, they're still yeah. so green. Right. How was that like for you? But did you have to fight with yourself to just kind of let go of that? Because I still feel like that's where I'm struggling right now. There's certain things at this age you want to let go and let them fail a little bit, mm-hmm. but still you don't want them to get hurt. Sure. Yeah. I mean, he, he could be 56 and I could be 86 and I would still feel the same way about not wanting him to be harmed. But here's what I would say that we did a little bit differently. I never raised my son as a child. What we called him from the day one was MIT, which was a man in training. So my objective was always to raise a man at 13. I have some clients who are now family members of mine and I always say that they're Jewish because it's important to know that they helped me figure out how to give my black child who was non-Jewish what we've turned a black mitzvah. So at 13, we had decided that he had done everything he needed to do right. to be a man. So at 16, when he says, I need to get out of here, well, it's okay because you've been prepared. We, this is the journey we've been preparing you for the whole time. Now, yeah, sending him off to Brazil was a little bit daunting. We didn't know anyone. But the very interesting thing about Brazilian soccer academies is that they're probably the safest place to be in Brazil. Yeah. So it's funny It's funny you mentioned that. I've used the analogy I, on this podcast. I've said it and I've said it just my family and I, we are, we are dog people, but you look at animals, right? And we've now, my family, when I graduated college, first thing I did was I got myself a puppy. Unfortunately, the kids were, you know, getting young. That puppy lived his life. Uh, At 13, our our puppy Rocky passed away. We got Kobe as a puppy. He's our new puppy. People who know me know Kobe. They've seen Kobe. So we have Kobe now. What the dogs have always taught me, which is crazy, is that, and because now I have two kids, right? What to me has always been crazy, and I kind of envisioned this through those puppies, For the most part, right, if you have a baby animal, you can put that baby animal into the wild and there's a better chance of that baby animal figuring out some way to survive, right? Mm -hmm. If you lay a human baby, newborn baby in the woods, that baby's not making it. (laughs) Right, that's right. So it's crazy to me that as the most smartest, capable with hands and thumbs and everything that we've God's given us, right? We're the most capable, but like we're also the most needy. Does, isn't that crazy to you sometimes? Yeah, the human development is a little bit slower than an animal development. Absolutely. I would yeah. say this also conversely. When you think about animals, which is, I think, a failure that parents have at times, 
is that if you and I were on a farm and you were raising and you had chicks and I said, what are you raising? You would say chicken. If I said, if you had calves, I'd say, what are you raising? You'd say cows. But if I ask parents, what are they raising? They say they're raising children. So in some ways, we do ourselves also a disservice because what we do with animals, we recognize with an animal that the goal is to get the animal to the adult form. When we're having children, we're not thinking about getting a child to the adult form. Well, that goes back to what other people think of you and I in terms of craziness, right? They're like, oh, these are children. Yeah, you know what I mean? That's what they're telling you. And, and yeah. then people have told me that about Layla. Layla's a girl. She's a little girl. She's a child. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm not saying she's not. But that goes to one of my quotes in my book, and I don't know who this quote is by, but you'll really appreciate this when you say that. One of my favorite kind of quotes or stories is this. There's three bricklayers, right? A gentleman walks up to the first guy, says, what are you doing? He says, I'm laying bricks. Walks up to the second guy, he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm building a wall. Walks up to the third guy and he says, what are you doing? He says, we're building the most beautiful castle this whole kingdom is going to see. All three of these individuals are doing the same exact thing, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. each one of them have a different vision of their job. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep. So the first guy is very small-minded. You know, is just literally looking at what he's doing. Second guy has a little bit of a picture of what he's doing. He's building the wall of something. Mm-hmm. And then the third guy is like, yeah, I'm, I'm laying bricks. I'm building a wall, but I see this wall is going to hold something beautiful for this community. Like, It's just, and that's where I feel like you and I, I always try in everything to be that third guy, right? Or third woman. If, if, you know, obviously it doesn't have to be a man. Anyone can lay bricks. (laughs) Uh, But you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's about being that person that has the bigger vision. And that's part of what I try to show my kids. Layla, you're doing this for a bigger vision. I also want to get back to the sports thing. Okay. Because um, I think what, and I want you to, your opinion on this. When you ask me, I believe I peaked at my level for sports, played a D1 sport, got to a certain level in college, and then became a businessman. And then obviously I'm here now. When you ask me about my time in sports, it's funny at 40, I'll be 43 tomorrow. It's funny that at like 43, I've hit game-winning basketball shots in high school. I've hit big time goals in overtime. You know what? I I don't even really remember those moments. I'll, I remember the bus rides, mm-hmm. the dinner outings, the spaghetti dinners before games, just the team stuff. Right, right. And that's the memories, the friendships I just said. Like my basketball friends, we still talk and text who's better, LeBron or Jordan, right? Like <laughs> those are the things that would you agree when everything's said and done, and your son did, like you said, acting, everything. Do you think that your job to kind of create an, a well-rounded person, a man, was accomplished? Yeah, I do. And But I also think that the job is never finished. Right. I don't think any of it. So, yes, absolutely. To your point, yeah, I think he's a, a wonderful human being. He's a very accomplished human being. He's a wonderful human being. But I, I know that my role as a father, he reminds me that it's not dead, it's not over. And so that I still have some responsibility to continue to pour into it. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, my dad, listen, my dad to this day, and he's no CEO. My dad is a nine to five guy. And I say that proudly. He, yeah. It's not a bad thing. My wife is a nine to five person. She likes that comfort. But my dad to this day comes in here. He helps out. He's retired. He wants to help out. 
every day he thinks I'm about to fail. Like, and that, but that's, that's his job. Does that make sense? And I'm, again, I'll be 43 tomorrow. He thinks every day I'm fucking something up. And perfect example, we, we do free samples. He's like, wait, you're giving those away for free? He's like, you're going to go out of business. Hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, no, dad, that brings in people get, you know, the first one, they like it and they come and they buy it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Like, but to, you know what I mean? But to him, he's so worried about me. Where I'm getting at with that is, do you still worry about your son as a parent? If, and if I can ask this, Nathan, are you married? Or oh, I'm, Yes, I'm married. Mm-hmm. When is it you and your wife time, for example? Because that's also what I, my struggle is. I never want to ignore my wife. I love my wife to death. Everyone knows that. But I feel like the kids just take up so much time when they're, it gets to certain ages. Do you make a point to obviously treat your wife as best you can? You guys have date night. How do you incorporate then having a happy marriage in the midst of everything? Because I know the time you probably spent with your son when he was my daughter's age. How do you then incorporate also keeping the spouse and everyone else in the family happy? Well, I only have one. I'm only have one child. So that used to make it a bit, a bit easier. And so again, at 16, he was gone. So he's 26 now. So the last 10 years has been nothing but the two of us. So that's been a lot, been a lot easier. When he was small, we just, we did a lot of stuff together during the holidays rather than having to do stuff with family. The three of us would go somewhere, but it would be, it would be unrelated to any sports or any activity, any kind of entertainment thing. And uh, so we did that. Was there ever the conversation of, hey, let's just get through this and then it's our time? Because I do, my wife and I have that conversation. Like, let's get these kids to the point, exactly like where you got your kid to that point. Our conversations consist of, let's get these kids to the point where we want to get them (laughs) to, and then it's our time. And I know we're going to be old and wrinkly and maybe, you know what I mean? But still. Well, I don't know. I'm 56. So hopefully I got, you got a lot of life left in you. I don't think, I don't consider myself old yet. So you just said 43. Nate, you don't look, you don't look old at all. So I was <laughs> Thank surprised you. when you said your son's age and your age, but go ahead. Yeah, I'm 56. So yeah, so hopefully you'll be able to do that. But no, we did, we still work out together. So I think I mentioned earlier, I did competitive natural bodybuilding. And so she would train, she would train with me. So that was some time we would spend together. And my mother would take my son sometime during the summers or he'd be at a camp or something. So we would figured out something to do around those times that he was away. But yeah. for the most part, the three of us did a lot of stuff together. There wasn't a whole lot of, we're just going to have a date night alone because it was mostly the three of us. That's the way it started. That's kind of the way it yeah. still is today. If he's home, it's the three of us doing stuff together. But he's not home very often. He hasn't been home very often since he was 16. Yeah. So it's been a lot of just the two of us. No, we, yeah, definitely, I think. So, you know, we're kind of coming in on that fourth quarter of this convo, I definitely appreciate your time and everything. What I want to leave with is a couple of things. One, if there's something I didn't ask that you want to, because again, our community is running that audience that, you know, active and knowing how important body movement and everything is, everything we're talking about, I know will resonate with our audience. Um, so anything maybe you didn't mention. And then lastly, and I know I have the link guys, we're going to put everything for books and Nate's links to his personal sites and blog sites and everything we're going to put up. But Nate, anything I didn't ask that maybe you want to share with the audience? I'm not pressed for time, but anything I didn't ask? No. So there's there's um, two things. The first thing I wanted to say was you said something about falling off during the period of time because of COVID, like the COVID-15. And what I would like to encourage people is to not give yourself permission to fall off. I think falling off is something we permit ourselves to do. 
it does not have to be our reality. Just like the story you just told me about the bricklayers. There's a person who laid a brick. There's a person who built a wall. There's a person who saw something much bigger. Well, falling off is about not seeing something much bigger. Because if you see something much bigger, you're not laying, you're not taking a day off to go eat stuff that you do repetitively for multiple days and then put on 15 pounds. Exactly. One of the things I do on a daily basis to hold me accountable to that is that in the first 14 to 20 minutes of every morning, I write about my life as I'd like it to be rather than how it is. So if I imagine your life or for the rest of that day, because I mean, life, especially at, at 43, no, no. 53, I write about an event. So sometimes okay. it's an event in my life. Sometimes it's about having a conversation okay. with someone. Sometimes it's about giving a speech somewhere. And sometimes it's about it might be just about walking through the sand. But I write about things in my life emotively that are vivid, that give me the kind of reminder why it is important for me right now to not give myself permission to do stuff that's detrimental to myself. Got it, got it. So that's one of the things. The other thing I wanted to mention is that oftentimes I hear people, especially in communities where people are trying to find a way to do something better, and running is one of those things. As we talk about, we have to run, for example, because we need to, we have to, if you find your why, for example, you'll figure out how to be successful in something. Got it. I think, I tell people all the time that why is nonsense that why is something that changes. Yeah. Why I work today is very different from why I worked when I was 16, but I still had to work. I think more importantly is to ask yourself who you are and who you want to be when your time on this planet is up. And if you're driven by who, you will not take the day off. Right. Because today could be your last day and someone else is going to tell the story of how you treated them, who you helped, who you served, how you cared for yourself. You're not going to be here to tell that story. So we're all living our eulogies and our obituaries every single day. And so I've, I just encourage folks to look at the world that way, as opposed to looking at your wife. I love it. No, I, I do love that. Awesome. Thank you so much. You know, Nate, this was one of my most fun ones. Obviously, I think you brought something that I personally relate to. I always said, and even when I started a company, you know, it was based on what I was going through at the time and there was no nutrition for runners. And, you know, everything was more geared toward lifting and things like that. And even now what you're talking about, that's what I'm going through with, you know, a teenage and and a smaller kid. So I'm definitely, I apologize. I know I got to do a better job sometimes of pre-screening. So I wish I read the book, but I will tell you this too. And and guys, um, we're going to put Nate's links here, but I'm definitely, I'm going to go support you and buy the book. And this is something I want to learn more about. I'm going through it right now. So I'm going to go get it. And Nate, I hope you and I can stay in touch. And, Absolutely. And, um, and definitely, I thank you so much for your time. Been my pleasure. Thanks for having me. No, thank you, Nate. And everyone else, I hope you guys enjoyed it and enjoy the rest of your day. Until next time, thank you guys. Have a great one. Bye-bye.